Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. How are you this wonderful weekend? Hope weather and life is good for you. But we are here not to talk about the weather and the life at this particular moment. We're here to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. And as minicamp concluded this week, and we roll into six weeks, five and a half-ish, somewhere in there, till the end of July when training camp resumes, we are looking at your Minnesota Vikings. Today we have three themes as usual. First one is how much better can we expect Kirk Cousins the Great to be better under Kevin O'Connell? Then we're looking at what will Kevin O'Connell's preseason approach be? The season schedule solidified this week, and we'll take a look. Also, we'll hit with our quick hitters, and there are plenty of items to discuss there as soon as we get started. Climb in the pocket, Aiden Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Boom! And we're back. Dave here, Darren over there, and we are your two old bloggers. Over two decades of writing publicly on this team. This team we love. This team that drives us absolutely insane. How you doing, Darren? I'm doing good, Dave. You're talking driving home that over two decades of blogging and whatever on the Vikings mm-hmm. makes me wonder about my sanity. <laughs> it does. It and whether really, I've ever really been does. whether I've ever been sane if I <laughs> devoted that much time talking about this damn team. But anyway, here we are again, another week, mm-hmm. another two old blog bloggers edition. Yeah, breaking down things we've seen, trying to sleuth some storylines out of what's happened. In minicamp, and you know what all's gone on this last week. And uh, Ted Glover, yeah, yeah, we're old, Ted. You and me both, you young whippersnapper. All right, now time to get the show rolling. As many of you, Ted, know, Ted and I worked together back in our Air Force days. Ted's a good friend, and he's not necessarily a spring chicken himself. So we're going to start out, we always start out with theme one. Because it would make sense to start with theme three. Yeah, I wouldn't. So our first theme we are looking at, that you want to look at, how much can we expect from Kirk Cousins under Kevin O'Connell? Yeah, David, the, uh, I think since O'Connell was named head coach and took over the team, uh, there's been, I don't know if it's a, like an expectation or maybe it's slash expectation hope that Kirk Cousins will be a different, better quarterback under Kevin O'Connell than he has been in his previous career <laughs> with the Washington and the Vikings. And, and that somehow, uh, again, that he's going to be, uh, we're going to see a better, or we hope to see a better Kirk Cousins in 2022 at age 34 than, again, than we've seen previously. And, and uh, what are the reasons for that? It's, it's you know, strictly because we've got a new head coach, an offensive-minded head coach, a head coach who uh, we think um, uh, 
holds uh, cousins at least publicly he says, said it all the right things about holds uh, cousins in pretty high regard whereas previously mike zimmer didn't seem to really like Kirk Cousins all that much or, or cared for him. Uh, there was that odd scene, I think, in the Detroit home the game, the home game against Detroit last year where uh, they talked it off, but it looked pretty clear to me that Cousins was kind of giving it to Zimmer <laughs> well, <laughs> at the end of, end of that one and vice versa after it was all over. Right. It looked like Zimmer was like, what the hell? And was yeah. about ready to throw down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that would have turned out too well for old Mikey. Uh, Cousins is about 30 years younger and bigger and stronger mm-hmm. and probably in way better shape. But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> but but anyhow, uh, so what would be the reasons uh, that we you know we could think that Kirk Cousins would be a different quarterback and better quarterback in 2022 than he's been? I think uh, if you're looking for any hope, there's no <clears> – <throat> I don't have any analytics numbers for you, but if you're looking for hope, it's the guy – the image you've just shown up there is Matt Stafford and what he did in last year and his one year with the Rams working under Kevin O'Connell and Sean McVay yes but he worked under Kevin O'Connell and if you look at Stafford's stats last year um, 4,800 yards I think 47 48 TD passes you know so yardage touchdown passes uh, yards per completion completion percentage were all much better than he'd done basically mm-hmm. since 2011 2012 now the rams he also led the league in interceptions uh, which we hope <laughs> which we don't want to see from kirk cousins uh, but uh, if you look at matt stafford's um, numbers last year uh, his career arc uh, the kind of quarterback his reputation was very similar to kirk cousins i think before going to the rams in one year under sean mcveigh and kevin o'connell he put up those kind of numbers in the LA Rams offense. And I think that at least that gives me uh, a little bit of hope that Kirk Cousins, who had a very good year last year, uh, you know, 4,200 yards, there's 33 touchdown passes, only the seven interceptions, um, high, about 67% completion percentage that we can expect that, or we can, there's some optimism, I think, that under O'Connell, that he can work some of the same magic he did with Matt Stafford with Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think it also helps that, uh, I'd say, O'Connell seems to be a very positive. Uh, he's got his shit together, very calm guy. And I mm-hmm. think a guy like Kirk Cousins, who's, you know, has not always had the best reputation for working under pressure, I think he needs a calm presence, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, helping him. And, and he needs a guy who's going to work with him and converse with him and have a relationship with him, which Mike Zimmer did not have. Uh, he, he, are you telling me he's the type of personality that doesn't take kindly to yelling at or being yelled at from the sidelines and, uh, you yes. know, would that, probably wilt saying. in front of a drill sergeant because he can't handle it. Yes, I'm sure you're right. Hey, it takes all types to run this world. I'm hoping that Kevin O'Connell is that type that motivates Kirk Cousins to his best season yet. But we'll get there. But I think that the other thing beyond Stafford, one of the things that – what uh, last year with Kirk Cousins was a weird year because the previous year under Gary Kubiak, they ran a lot of play action and were very successful at it. Then under the spawn of Gary, Clint Kubiak, <laughs> they went they went almost totally away from the play action, which is a thing that Kirk Cousins does really well. Uh, and uh, and the offense regret, regressed, although Cousins' numbers were quite similar, but. I think a little right. bit better in yeah a little bit better in 2020 than 2021, but not much better. But the offense in general was not uh, up to snuff last year compared to the previous year. Uh, so I think that O'Connell is going to use a bit more play action uh, with uh, Cousins because that's a strength of his. And the the Rams did run a lot of play action when they had Jared Goff as the QB because that was a strength of his and it was also a way to protect him from his weaknesses in a lot of ways. But last year, the Rams also ran a lot of, they didn't run very, actually very much play action with Matt Stafford, which kind of surprised me. And they did run a lot of empty sets and a lot of uh, shotgun action with Stafford. And those are things that Cousins really hasn't done in Minnesota, but granted, 
it's was a different offensive philosophy in, in those you know four years as well. Uh, so we'll O'Connell's talked about being multiple, the importance of being multiple, confusing defenses. Uh, so I think you're going to see. Uh, ample use of play action, but it won't be the sole only thing that they use as as a disguise and the only tool they're going to use in Cousins' tool set. So maybe we will see uh, a bit more empty sets, a bit more play action, and um, that will also bring out something new in Kirk Cousins. And you know, if it it makes you wonder, uh, David, what uh, if Cousins was to throw for 400 or 500 more yards this year than last year if he throws for 40 touchdown passes or more this year compared to last year if he keeps his interceptions in the 10 or under range if he can bump up those numbers to what Stafford did how many wins is that worth for the Vikings um, is it worth you know one or two again uh, maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, sometimes sometimes when your pass your passing numbers goes up that's an indication that you've actually playing from behind a lot and you've had right. to throw the ball more uh, so it's not always a good thing but last year that wasn't the case with the Rams uh, but you know in, uh, interesting I think it's it's a fascinating story that we're going to be watching on just how much the Kevin O'Connell effect how much of a difference is that going to make? to Kirk Cousins, his performance, and the Vikings' fortunes. And again, if you're looking for uh, uh, something other than just um, uh, a theory that comes up in the old noggin, you just I think you got to look at what Matt Stafford did last year and say that is the evidence that O'Connell can bring something new and better to Kirk Cousins as well in 2022. Well. We all hope so. And in your yep. notes, you talked about teaching an old dog a new trick, thus mm-hmm. inspiring this graphic. Can <laughs> he generate out of Kirk Cousins, uh, whether it be play action pass, which is going to be the multiples, right? They line up in a, hey, we're going to run. Dalvin Cook's going to do this, blah, 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 formation. He turns around, fakes the run, boots out, bang, Justin Jefferson going to the post, you know, for seven or for six points. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. We're all doing the gritty, right? And everything is great. Can we see that? Do we have the ability to see that? And which gets us into the next point, which worries me terribly. Nick says he has the same shirt. Uh, Dysfunctional veterans is a... uh, is what this says. Um, it's a great organization that they help military vets with issues. I appreciate that, Nick. Uh, it's a good shirt and a good company that helps vets. But what really gets me going that I worry about is the quote this week from Kirk Cousins himself <laughs> that uh, it's really muddy. So when you drop back, you don't know what you're getting. Well, that's the whole purpose of the of <laughs> this defense, the Fangio-derived defense, right? And uh, that's the purpose. But it worries me. It's like, uh, come on, Kirk. It's not – this defense isn't that new. It's been around quite a few years. You've faced it before. Should I be worried that he thinks it's muddy and he can't figure it out yet? <laughs> I'm already worried. <laughs> so you should be worried. And uh, yes, Ted, uh, I would uh, I would pay some money to watch Dave do the gritty as well uh, <laughs> on on video. But yeah, you're right, uh, Dave. Like uh, cousins is. This is what his tenth season, eleventh season now. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he's seen, should be have seen every defense that there is to see. He's faced the Fangio defenses several times, as you mentioned, not done very well against them any of those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, what is it about it? That, like, what can't he decipher from this defense that other quarterbacks are able to decipher? Uh, here's a smart guy, watches a lot of film, very analytical. Uh, <clears throat> But it's the old thing with Cousins, cousins right? If, uh, if things don't happen exactly as he expects them to happen, uh, if things don't line up perfectly the way, you know, perfectly if everything doesn't go right, can he overcome that and make 
play, you know, good plays consistently and in his career, uh, the, the answer to that has been usually no. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, uh, hopefully him playing against this defense on a, on a daily basis and through training camp, you'll be able to figure it out when you actually play somebody else who runs it or runs something similar. But, well, uh, and do you know the, t- can you name the teams off the top of your head who run it? Uh, no. <laughs> Fangio isn't in Denver anymore, so I don't know if they're no, running and, a and It's a Fangio type. It's Disciples yeah. also running it. You're looking at the Rams, Chargers, Packers, Seahawks, Broncos, of course, and they're going to stick with it. The Bears used to. The Bears did up until this year. They're moving away with Eberflus. Uh, Jets, 49ers, Browns all run some sort of similar system. So, That's a lot of teams that run that system. Well, it's a successful system. If you have the yeah. players to do it, this is what I like about the bike side of it. We have the, I believe we have the players to run it successfully. If you have the players to run it successfully, it causes havoc for opposing offenses. And football is cyclical, right? You, the defense gets an edge. They def- find a way to defeat the offense. And in this case, it's by not showing anything. We're going to line up in some sort of, you know, quasi base, and we're not going to show you what coverage we're going into until the very last second. Once the play's already started, right? We're gaining, yeah. uh, Patrick Peterson talked about we're gaining that extra second. And that's making it difficult for not only the quarterback to read, but also wide receivers to read. Uh, mm-hmm. Linemen, it's different. They're doing, they're doing different things, but, um, but the playmakers on how to set that up, it's going to be different. Linemen could be if it's a, on a delayed blitz or whatever, but less so. Offenses eventually figure out how to overcome these defenses, right? And and they will do that. Kirk, they will, Kirk hasn't. It will be having to learn what are we looking for. What in this, what minute thing and this defense is going to tell me they're going to a quarters match or, you know, a straight cover two. You know, cover two used to be big and yeah. Super Bowl winning defense. Well, then it was figured out, well, let's split the zones and, hey, we can kill it, right? And they did, right? Even Zimmer's defense was on top of the world. The double-A gap, how he mm-hmm. did things was the best at the time, and then people started to figure it out. Well, we're coming out right now where the Fangio drive defense seems to be at the top of the game, and offenses need to be figured out. Kirk Cousins has played going into his 11th season, has seen it. It's been around for quite a few years now. We need to figure out, I hope Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips teaches him hopefully they know, teaches him, we need to start looking at this or that for keys. Look how, look how the linebacker's sitting. Look how the corner's positioned. Look how the safety is. When you go back, since they're not showing anything at the beginning, when you drop back, take two steps, look, then look and see what's happening. To get that instant, boom, this guy moves six inches this way, so that means it's going to be this, and I can throw right over here to Adam Thielen in the end zone, touchdown, life is good. That's what I'm hoping happens. I hope he watches the film. I hope they're not supposed to get together during the summer break because CBA, which I think is a horrible rule, but okay. Um, It is. These guys are paid to play football. Right. (laughs) You know, at least through, you know, encrypted third-party intermediaries that they're passing notes, right? O'Connell's watching film. Kirk's watching film and says, hey, Kirk, I saw this. Or, you know, Kirk watches film and says, hey, coach, I saw this. Is this a key? And then coach back, goes back and looks through a ton, shit ton of film and goes, oh, my God, it is, or vice versa. I hope that all happens between now and camp so that when they get to camp, they're at least a step forward. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, Stephen, I'm not hating on Kirk. I'm just saying this is something that's going to be key to our Viking season. 
Let me, uh, I really like Stephen, but let me just be frank here is that if you don't like me or Dave pointing out Cousins' flaws, then maybe don't watch <laughs> because <laughs> we're going to keep on doing it. We also, I also praise Cousins when he does things well, but fact is, the guy ain't one shit. And until he does, then we're going to keep on bringing this up. And and what's what's everybody's uh, like argument for Kirk Cousins being a great QB? Uh, Just his stats. That's yeah. It. So there's a lot of QBs who have similar stats, Cousins, and and, and so hey, uh, I I think Cousins is a you know pretty good quarterback. Uh, his record at, at, with the Vikings though is mediocre. I've heard it was as it was in Washington. Is that all his fault? No. Uh, but there's things he does well. There are things he does not do well. And until he gets us to a deep playoff run, which he needs the Vikings, other players help mm-hmm. with for sure. But if a, if this is a QB uh, driven league, like we are told it is, the players say that all the time, uh, then the QB deserves uh, a lot of scrutiny and is going to get a lion's share of the blame and the credit when the team does well or doesn't do well. And I don't think you can, as a Vikings fan or as an NFL fan, you can go and say that Kirk Cousins is one of the top quarterbacks in the league um, because, again, uh, the record is what it is. How many times has his team's made the playoffs? How far has he taken them in the playoffs? Not very far. Until he changes some of those things, uh, he's going to be viewed as um, skeptically by Viking, a lot of Viking fans and a lot of, of people who are just football fans. And I don't think that's hating on a player. I think that's just stating the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, without a doubt. And as Raymond said, he is number one when it comes to contracts and making a lot of money. I'll grant him that. And all the power to him for doing that. He's been yeah, well, that. quarterbacks get paid the most. Yes. <laughs> and if you've got a good agent and you're, you negotiate well, well, you're going to get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he, Kirk Cousins will continue to make a lot of money as long as he's in the league and as long as he's putting up stats like he's been putting up. Somebody will be paying him lots of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he does have flaws. We've seen it. Or we'd be Super Bowl champs already. And I'm quite happy for him to to take us to the Super Bowl next Oh, next I season. am too. Trust me. I am too. Like I said, I will – Volunteer to design the statue. I'll help carve it if necessary. I'll do whatever. I will gladly accept that if he takes us to the Super Bowl and we come home with a Lombardi. As we all say, one before we die. That moves us into our second theme. To get to the Super Bowl, we've got to go through the preseason. And uh, the preseason schedule solidified this week, and it came out, and it's up there on your screen. As soon as Donnie's comment drops, there it goes. <laughs> It'll be Sunday, August 14th in Las Vegas at 3.25 p.m. for preseason week one. That should be a national broadcast. You know why? It's the only one on Sunday. So we'll see. Then comes preseason week two at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the question is, and you'll get into it, how much of the starters play? Is week two like week three used to be in the uh, four-week preseason? We don't know. Um (laughs) <laughs> Stay away from the beers. Philip, I appreciate that before you carve Cousin Statue. Uh, trust me. Don't worry about that. And then week three, we finish up against the Broncos, who, of those three teams, they all play a Fangio-derived defense. We play at the Broncos, and it should be interesting. That is generally when we'll see everybody trying to make the team We'll see the bottom end of the roster trying to do their thing. You wanted to know, what was Kevin O'Connell's approach to preseason? The, uh, yes, what will Kevin O'Connell's approach be? The When you're a rookie head, that's one thing that I'm going to be interested in seeing with the preseason. 
uh, because even though the preseason is that first time, uh, the, the preseason is, um, you know, the first time it's good to see live real football again, or as real as we've seen in several months. Uh, but I don't really, and I, it is exciting because I'm always interested to see how the rookies do, do any of them flash, do any of the undrafted rookie free agents, uh, show anything, but you don't really learn much. I don't, I, I don't find it. It really indicates anything about how the team will be in 2022. Uh, usually the game plans are pretty, very conservative vanilla, as we like to say, uh, teams don't show very much and, and they don't play the starters a whole lot of the ton, but, um, with Kevin O'Connell being a rookie head coach, trying to set a tone for the season, I'm kind of wondering how his approach will be. Last year, uh, we asked, I asked the same question around this time. Uh, how is Mike Zimmer going to approach the, the new three-game preseason? Because before that, it had been, been four. Mm-hmm. And what we found out uh, was that uh, he basically threw away the preseason uh, for the most part, um, had played the the regular the vets the starters very little if at all uh it was mostly second third and fourth stringers that played pretty much the entire three games the vikings as a result not surprisingly played very uh bad football uh they weren't very competitive in in any of those only the can the city game in the second half where they did they play competitive football and they they lost all three of those preseason games um at that time i tried not to really get too worked up about it, but I didn't think it was a great uh, way to head into a season after you'd finished seven and nine the year before, and you were looking for a bounce back season. But I think Zimmer obviously felt, or maybe he felt, Hey, I've got confidence in my coaching ability. I have confidence in my staff's coaching ability, and I've got confidence in my veterans that we'll hit the ground running and we won't come out flat. Well, it didn't turn out that way. We went turned went to zero and two, and we never really recovered. Um, so, hey, uh, Kevin O'Connell, new head coach, has uh, been very upbeat. Lots again, we've talked about it before. Lots of positive vibes. Everybody seems to love him, love the energy. Players seem energized. I'm wondering if he's going to take a much different approach in the preseason than Zimmer did. I'm wondering if he's going to play the regulars a lot more in those three games than Mike Zimmer did last year. If you remember in that first preseason game against the Broncos, Fangio played the reg- the first starting defense and offense, I think pretty much the entire first half. And some of the starters were still in the game in the second half and they whipped our butts. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think if you're a new, new head coach, your rookie head coach, you're trying to set a tone, uh, maybe you do that by playing the, the trying to win those preseason games a little bit more, uh, not using it as just a, an opportunity to look at all the bottom of the roster, and you try to go into the, the you know try to go into your home opener against that team from Wisconsin with a two and one or three and zero record, mm-hmm. come out of preseason with momentum, everybody's juiced, ready to go in that first game, and your starters uh, are more tuned, tuned yeah. up. Um, got more reps to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but of course there's a risk to that, Dave, as we know, if, if you, one of your, one of your key or one or two of your key starters gets hurt in the preseason is out for a long time. You're going to take a ton of heat for that. Fans are going to be all over you. Why'd you play them so much? Blah, 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 blah. And even I'll probably be mad, but, uh, I could see O'Connell, you know, are you saying take, it's a no win situation? It, well, it's, I, it's a gamble, but I could uh-huh. see O'Connell taking that gamble uh, and looking at seeing the value and getting the starters more reps, more tuned up in preseason than Zimmer did last year. Um, and, you know, I, I was kind of looking, looking at um, thinking back to Dennis Green and in his rookie season in 1992, which, damn, uh, that was uh, 30 that years was a ago. long time. <laughs> yeah, 30, 30 years ago, David. But um his rookie season back then the, the Vikings won all four of their preseason games uh, if memory serves they blew out like almost every opponent they played in that tra- in that preseason mm-hmm. and Dennis Green he was making a point in the preseason uh that I'm a new head coach I know what I'm doing 
this Vikings team under me is going to be a factor in in the NFC North this year. And and if you don't believe me, we just went four and zero in the preseason and whooped everybody's butts. And they came into the regular season and they won five of their first six games, went eleven and five, won the division, and got into the playoffs after the previous season going eight and eight and under Jerry Burns and not making the playoffs. And Burns retired after that year. And the year before that, they'd went six and ten and didn't make the playoffs. So Dennis Green took a different view of the preseason and it worked for him uh i think that you might see something similar from kevin o'connell as far as how he approaches it or at least i don't think if you're kevin o'connell you want to go zero and three look really bad in the preseason and then go into your season opener at home against the team that just went 13 and three last year and has won your your division three straight years in a row so uh gonna be Going to be that's going to be one of the things early on that I'm really going to be watching is how O'Connell attacks the preseason games, how he approaches it, how much the starters play, uh, and uh, it's it's one of the many unknowns about O'Connell that we're going are going to become knowns here in a few months. Well, and the whole philosophy of <clears throat> during minicamp and OTAs of going not full speed. Not very much contact. The whole works to keep them healthy. The whole sports science part of it. It's going to be an interesting, like you said, to see how are they going to mix that. We need reps. We need to build chemistry, right? And as uh, I think Philip said. Versus the uh, load management thing. Versus the load management thing. And Philip said there are positions that still need to be worked out. And he's 100% correct. Who's your starting right guard? Yeah. Who's going to be, you know, how's the defense working and flowing together? How's the transition between, quote, base? I think base will be more nickel, but we're going to see nickel and dime packages. We're going to see scene on there, you know, what position is he playing? What position, you know, the whole works is how yeah. all this is going to fit. And those preseason games will help. Because they're live, right? Yeah. They're full speed. They're, they're you know, giving the rookies especially the look at how fast everything is and how decisions need to be made, how we want to, for the new coaching staff, how we want to call plays, the communication. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Getting things to players, getting not only the plays, but other things to players, the conversations between the coaches. How do we want to do all that needs to be worked out because they're not a veteran team. Last year, the Rams barely played their, their starters in the preseason, right? They wanted to keep them healthy. But that was a more veteran team that had been around. Yeah, granted, they had a new quarterback in Stafford, but even hit. Even him, you know, he's been in the league a while. I'm not worried about Stafford. I'm worried about, hey, we suddenly have a whole bunch of new, a brand new staff, a bunch of new rookies. We got rookies from last year that never saw a squat, right? So they're basically repeating it. You know, they redshirted. So all that has to be new. And I think getting reps in the preseason will be beneficial. Question is, will we see it or not? Yeah. Yeah, with the new offensive and defensive systems. But uh, again, one of those things, interesting to see how O'Connell handles it and it, uh, how he handles it and will uh, be scrutinized because <laughs> if the, the depending on how the Vikings be, you know start the season, how hot or flat they come out, people will look at how the preseason was approached and draw, mm-hmm. con, you know, and conclusions. Draw conclusions. Whether they're right that. or wrong, they're going to yeah. draw conclusions mm-hmm. without a doubt. And coming to those conclusions tends to make me thirsty. <laughs> Along with other things. Along with other things. So always a good beer from Lake Monster Brewing. If you're in the cities, 
is a great thing. If you're not in the cities from your local area, there are pretty plenty of microbrew brew pubs and the such that would love your patronage because they make a variety of great beer. Lake Monster has been doing it in St. Paul. They're doing a great job this week. They have on tap all these wonderful things. I've talked uh, quite a bit about the Bourbon Barrel Black. Oh, my God, does that look so good? But you can find all sorts of things from uh, the Depth Charge Juicy IPA, which is good, very summer. They have some great sours, by the way. And uh, anything you want, including some non-alcoholic stuff, just come down to the Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul. Have some good food. they got food trucks, different food trucks every day. And even better company and a great time and fabulous beer. Lake Monster, they partnered with us, and uh, we appreciate it, and we love their beer, too. And now I'm thirsty, Dave. You're putting up I that. I bet you are. Hey, I'm working on that, bud. I'm actually working on that. So. I won't forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on I have to theme. get it through customs. I want to get there. On to theme three. Um, interesting question about O-line coach. Ask when Reed about Reed and the Bradbury competition. Those things will be worked out when the pass come on. Absolutely, and we'll get into a little bit of Bradbury here shortly. But first, your favorite subject, <laughs> Irv Smith. Smith Jr. and the tight ends. Yeah, well, uh, this is our quick hitter section, so we're going to go after a bunch of things rapid fire. But um, with the, the mini camp this week, we got a, saw a tweet. You showed me a tweet where uh, both Irv Smith Jr. and Munt were on the sideline or not participating at all in one of the uh, one of the mini camp days this week. And uh, uh, David, uh, that uh, kind of scared the shit out of me because <laughs> wow. both both of those guys uh, have had serious knee injuries last year, uh, and uh, and you know particularly Irv Smith. I'm not as much worried about Munt, but uh, the uh, the the depth. The depth at tight end is not very robust, David. But on some good uh, news, Irv Smith was a hundred percent full participant on the last day of minicamp. Awesome! So I hope it was just kind of a rest day for him, a maintenance day, or he was a little sore from something else. But right. if he's having if both of these guys, and particularly Irv Smith, are having issues with still having issues with their knees, that makes me a little bit queasy in the stomach because uh, really, if if Smith can't go, then you're you know month is your yeah. number one. And then uh, if both of those guys are having trouble missing time because they've got lingering knee issues, then Ben Allison, uh, Nick Muse, and Davidson are the other three tight ends. And uh, that doesn't really leave me with much confidence, David. Uh, that's the kind of uh, t- tight end depth that leads to a general manager trading your fourth-round draft pick for somebody like Chris Herndon. Oh, that's uh, a those, those, those kind of moves. So um, going to be watching – Irv, hope, hopefully that this was just something that had nothing to do with the knee, but uh, I don't want to see Irv Smith uh, missing time due to injuries because we don't have much behind him. Right, and he should. I mean, he's already demonstrated when he's healthy, he's quite effective. And, yes. you know, that's going to add to that offensive potentness. Um, Kirk Cousins being able to throw to Jefferson Thielen. Irv Smith, hand off to Dalvin Cook. Throw to Dalvin Cook, right? K.J. Osborne slipping in there. Oh, those are some fantastic weapons. That's why I want to say 40 points a game would be awesome. Kevin O'Connor, you hear that? 40 40. points a game. 40 burger. That's what we're looking for. Speaking of weapons, Dalvin Cook. Came in, according to uh, NFL's next-gen stats, ranked third in explosive plays last season. Did you know that? I did not know that till you showed this to me, Dave. Uh, and uh, as most people can figure out, number th- being third in the league at something is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, we, we were just putting this up here because last year was – if you looked at Dalvin's numbers, raw numbers compared to 2020, he had 
now he missed three games too and wasn't healthy for a bunch of others that he played in, but uh, he had a down year. Yards per carry was down uh, from five to four, four and a half, I think, Uh, you know, 1,100 yards. But again, he missed three games, didn't catch as many passes. But I really feel that even though I've talked about, I'd like to see Cook not being the focal point of the offense. And I don't think he will be as much as he was under Zimmer because Zimmer was sort of a run, 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 run first type thing. (laughs) But I think that Dalvin Cook, provided he's relatively healthy throughout the year, and that's been an issue with him in all every year he's played in the NFL. But one of these years, he's going to be healthy, right? But mm-hmm. if this is the year, he's going to be have a huge year. Uh, I, yeah, he had, had about 73 less touches last year than in 2020. Uh, I think he's going to – so I think he's going to come in much fresher. Uh, he's still – explosive still quick still hits the the holes hard still has outstanding vision some of the best vision you'll see from any running back anywhere so i think he's poised to have a big year even and because he's going to be fresh he's going to be used a little bit differently that's going to catch offenses uh, defenses off guard and i also think that uh, that he's he won't get as many touches he, the 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 amount of per, of touches he's going to get is going to be down but the protection we're going to production we're going to get from those touches is going to be up uh, i think that you watch out for dalvin cook this year if you think you've seen the best of him i think that this year is going to be we're going to be in for a treat if he can stay healthy well he was interviewed this week and he says he feels lighter and faster somebody said was that because you've gone from 33 to 4 and he goes well that may be part of it and he really likes the number four feels it's natural and and they referenced one of his runs in college, and he says, just wait, you're going to see even more of that. I hope so. And I hope Dalvin Cook hits that and then gets more involved in the pass game. Literally, I think this offense can be special, has the um, opportunity to be, if somebody is able to read a defense, certain type of defense well. I think we're going (laughs) to go well. And even with that, even with that, I mean, he's put up those stats before. Yes. Prior and not being able to read it well. So I think, like I said, having all summer to look, I think he's going to do get nothing but better. That brings us to our next subject, which was talked about before. Garrett Bradbury. Hey, Joseph. Bradbury, yes. Another one of our favorite topics. Probably the, you talked about a lot about this last week with Bradbury and the whole thing, but to, you know, it caught everybody's attention. Bradbury has got a little bit more lead in the pants this this year, mm-hmm. Ten, but says he's about 10 pounds heavier than he was, <clears throat> 10 to 15 pounds heavier than he was in uh, previous seasons. And uh, that is, I guess, encouraging because um, – uh, you, you know, uh, one of the th- reasons that uh, we think that he gets overpowered is because, again, he's just too light. He's, he's small for, for the yeah. for the guys that if two ninety five is light, uh, but in the NFL, playing on the offensive line, I guess it is. Uh, so there's that. Well, and you got to remember, over the season, they lose weight. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and, and they have you know two ninety five may turn to two seventy five by the end of the season. And, and if you're starting a, against a guy that's three fifty. He may be down to 310 by the end of the season, and he's svelte and all, you know, and forklift. Yeah, they, and you've, I've heard a lot of offensive linemen talk about how difficult it is to keep on that keep weight, during, weight. The, the, during the season. So with the amount of work they're doing on a regular basis. But, um, yeah, it's so it's great that the, Bradbury is a little bit heavier, and he feels that he said he, he feels good body feels good um maybe he felt in the previous seasons you know uh, his strength has always been his mobility his athleticism maybe he felt that if he gained 10 or 15 pounds it would reduce that part of his game and make him a lesser player but obviously he believes that after seeing the previous three years and some of the problems he's had with bigger players that you know, maybe I'm going to add on a little bit of mass so he's done that I still think that though going from an outside zone to a mid zone, which is a hybrid, more power gap blocking scheme mixed with the zone. So it's going to be more focused where he needs to be bigger, not necessarily faster, right? Mm-hmm. But bigger. And, and and speed isn't such a a big crucial thing when it comes to linemen. Quickness is. 
and quickness he does have. If he can engage the defender, shed, go to the, the, to the linebacker, open the hole. We just talked about Dalvin Cook feeling light and fresh and everything's wonderful. Boom. You know, Dalvin Cook's into the secondary, and then it's a, between him and the safety. I'll take Dalvin Cook any day of the week. So I think this is a good thing. One thing I worry about or one thing I'm jealous about is I wish I could eat like that. <laughs> haven't they been able to eat like that since college. Yeah, college. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, beef and ice cream, you know, terrible diet. Uh-huh. But, but I think that you, you would, uh, <coughs> it's good that he's added on mass. He, he feels that he needs that. Maybe it'll work. But uh, I don't think that really helps what you feel was his biggest weakness, was which, which was the t- whole technique part of things. And mm-hmm. yeah. why, you know, the reason he is getting forklifted isn't just about weight, weight. it's about it's other also things. About technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he's got to clean that up. And can he do it? Well, that's what Chris Cooper, the new uh, offensive line uh, coach, is going to have to be working on. And I'm sure he is working on. And if Bradbury doesn't clean up that, adding 10, 15 pounds is not going to make a difference in his right. play and is not going to make him the center he needs to be for this offense. And, you know, a game changer 16 already has made the prediction that Bradbury won't be our center. I don't know if he means from the get go or eventually during the season, uh, I would, uh, unless I see something vastly different from Bradbury, I would, uh, I would be willing to agree with game changer on that, that at some point this season, Bradbury is going to get benched just he like last, last year. year. Yeah. We shall see. Now, that brings us to roster churnings of the week. Hey, talking about military. Um, Greg Joseph, he's all happy this week. Why? Yeah. Because Gabe Bursick got released. Released. So the big leg kid from Oklahoma is no longer with a Viking. And uh, I believe, we'll see, uh, the Vikings may bring in another kicker, maybe somebody else that they like that gets released from a team later on in training camp or something. They might bring him in. But it looks like Joseph is uh, got the job, won it fair and square early on. No pressure. He's going to be our place kicker for 2022. Uh, so Greg's happy. It looks like his, mm-hmm. his employment is, is insured at least <laughs> until he starts missing too many field goals in the regular season and they have to cut him and re- release him. Uh, maybe O'Connell will be more patient with kickers than Mike Zimmer was. I don't know. but Could be. Yeah. But um, yeah with that. Philip, I heard Gabe was hitting the long ball. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, the only problem was it was boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the accuracy wasn't there. Uh, I've golfed with guys like that I did in high school. Guy we called he could hit a gorilla ball. He could hit it a mile. But could he hit it straight? Mm-mm. If we wanted to be on the fairway uh, to our right or to our left, he was the guy. <laughs> and I yeah. guess Bursick was that way. You need to put them through the uprights. Mm-hmm. Especially in this game. Yeah. That was all the roster churnings of this week. That leaves one spot available on the roster. They have not filled it yet, so they have 92 players currently. We'll see what happens there. Maybe it's uh, Donnie's Game Changer 16's center. Who knows? We'll see. Last thing I wanted to bring up was of an image I saw this week. Here we go with Zapruder film stuff. And this is me sleuthing. Right there, number 62, as you're looking at it, that is Chris Reed. That is your right guard one. And as you look to his right, the left bottom corner of the screen, you can see there's a foot there behind the white cleated foot, which is probably the tackle, I'd say, O'Neal. If you look to Chris's left in the center position, that's Wyatt Davis. And which makes for some interesting conversations. I put out some feelers on this image earlier this week and asked, 
Why is Wyatt Davis there? There's only two possibilities. One, Wyatt Davis is in with the ones playing center, right? Or two, Chris Reed is playing because supposedly Wyatt Davis is right guard three, playing right tackle three, which I don't think is the case. I think that was literally Wyatt Davis in for Bradbury at some point in time. I find that interesting. Uh, like I said, I put out feelers. The feelers got, well, they're they're changing things up and throwing things all around to see how it works. Okay. I think it's sort of good that they're doing that. But I find it interesting for those that wonder, you know, where Bigfoot is and yeah. lost and missing ships in the Bermuda Triangle. We have located <laughs> Wyatt Davis playing at the center position during minicamp. And uh, and have visual that, proof. Yes, we did. we'd heard that he'd taken some reps at center last year. Last year. Uh, we didn't know how legit that was, but um, yeah, the, it, this is kind of one of those, like, uh, like you say, one of those uh, unsolved mysteries for Viking fans is like, what, what happened to Wyatt Davis? What happened to a two-time All-American? Uh, and then he can't even, he, and he can't, he doesn't, not only does he doesn't dress, but there's a lot of people don't even think he's going to make the team this right. year. Right. So which is what a, a distinct possibility. Yeah, what happened to this guy? I, I guess I should say that um, as disappointed as I am, you were, a lot of us were with Wyatt Davis's lack of development last year and um, and the fact that he was nowhere to be seen on the roster. It's not unusual for a third rounder or a fourth round rookie, no matter how highly decorated they are, to not play very much their right. rookie year or even their second year. Sometimes they don't really get into the into the starting lineup, crack the starting lineup until a little bit later in their, their careers, maybe even year three or year four. You hope it happens sooner than that because that means you got a player. But if it doesn't happen, that's not the end of the world. But Davis is like not even on the radar. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that it is interesting if, if that shows, if that is video evidence of him or photographic evidence of him playing center, um, why not? Right. Because uh, they're, they're, if you're going to switch positions, it's uh, the going from guard to center or center to guard seems to work out a lot better than if, you know, you never see a center go to tackle. <laughs> you, you don't see rarely. Yeah. You don't see tackles go to center or so. There's been a uh, few, but it's rare. I, I think that that's a, that's a move that while uh, I'd be skeptical about its possibility of success, it, I think it, it can be successful. It's possible that Wyatt Davis could go from guard and be a very good center. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see, like you like to say, we'll see, yeah. uh, we will see. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I think it's also interesting just that, again, is that another indication that the, the, the Vikings are going to try to work all their players at positions and you got to have a backup and then a backup to the backup. So maybe it doesn't mean anything, but uh, uh, it, 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 it's a little bit of an indication about Bradbury's status on the team too, maybe, and how maybe it's not a hundred percent assured that he's going to be the starter this year. If they're trying a whole bunch of different options at center to see what might be the, the best combination, what might be the, the, the best options for not only depth for, but actually for the guy that starts, I don't know. Maybe it's Wyatt Davis. Maybe he'll be the starting center in 2023 for the yes. Vikings. Game Changer 16 called it. He'll step in during a week, and he'll be that other than Garrett Bradbury said. We'll find out. I, if it is, I hope it works out. I think he has – I think watching him in college, I mean, he has skills and he has attitude, which I love. It's, yeah. And hopefully, because I know Garrett Bradbury's problems being technique-wise, hopefully he doesn't have those. But he's got to be able to show it. We'll find that out here into July sometime-ish when camp starts. I don't think we have a firm date yet, but it should be about that. You know, and they go the first few days, and then they put on the pads and actually start hitting. And does Wyatt – 
the other thing we've brought up is like how much does Wyatt Davis want to play football anymore too? Like is, a, is the fact that he hasn't developed, is it just that he's not willing to put in the work that other guys at this level are willing to put in to be a pro and be a contributing pro anymore? Like and maybe, he, maybe he's putting in the work that he's that worked and that he was used to in college at Ohio State that got him where he got because he was just so much more talented than other guys. But now you get to the NFL and you got to uh, amp up the work ethic, the the film study, all that stuff, and maybe he's just not doing that. Um, well, and we know theory. that's happened in the NFL before. There's been plenty of players that can't make that transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that's not the case. But um, yeah, Vikings offensive line is always interesting. There's always things to talk about. I don't know, hey. Joseph, if it's digesting the playbook. I don't wouldn't think it's that. Difficult linemen when it comes to uh, plays, they're really not that difficult. It's blocking assignments and blocking rules. It's just learning, you know, if, if you're a center, you're a guard, or you're a tackle, you've got certain rules and assignments that you've got. And, you know, the assignment says, may say block the defensive end, and then you have rules on does the defensive end cross your face, does he come in, does he do certain things, whatever. I don't think it's that difficult on alignment's part when it comes to playbook because it's set up the way where it's relatively simple. I mean, granted, they've got a lot of things they got to look at or through, but it's not. They're not worried about does this receiver, you know, if the corner move this way, that means he cuts this way. They don't care about that. So, no. I like Ted giving a – a, not a shout out to the f- former uh, s- coaching staff, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it, you know, that's another thing, right? Like uh, the, our previous general manager and previous offensive line uh, coach and staff, they didn't seem to be able to a identify good offensive linemen coming out of college and they didn't seem to be able to develop them either. Uh, right. So let, here's hoping that the new regime is much better at those two things than the previous regime was. Absolutely, and maybe and maybe they can get something out of Wyatt Davis that the previous crew could not. Yeah, because it's been basically a decade. Yeah, um, since the offensive line was decent across the board. Zimmer came in and he thought he had a good offensive line, and it just went up after that for eight years. Just mm-hmm. and got never fixed. That's just the way it was, you know. I just and it comes to talent evaluation at that point. You get so many years in, it's like, well, what's the talent coming in? Because you know, NFL career is three years. You got to find somebody within three years that's decent, and it didn't happen. Um, good guys, yeah. Well, if they would have turned out now. Development's part of that. You got that right, mm-hmm. Dad. David Yankee. <laughs> There's another name for the past. Billy Beaver. Oh, yeah. TJ Clemmings. David Yankee. Ah, oh, some of the big hits from back then. Have you got anything more to say there, Darren, this weekend? No, I think I've said plenty. Uh, uh, there was a, like a lot of little stuff that came out of mini camp, which was uh, good to get into. I think the only, maybe the only thing that we didn't touch on was uh, it, it looks very much like uh, Jesse Davis is the front runner for the right guard spot. At least yes, that was I, a lot of the. And that may have been Jesse the, Davis there versus Chris Reed, but it's one of those two. Yeah. On that uh, and uh, and hey, uh, that's all well and good. Uh, uh, everybody's will look at Davis's. Pro football focus rankings last year, which were horrific, uh, but uh, that was as a, a tackle, as a as a guard. His grades have Are generally good. been, you know, much better than that, and he's now playing guard. So, uh, you know, Chris Cooper saying competition, competition, competition on the, uh, at right guard, and and uh, whoever it is will end up with a very good player. Okay, right, Chris, and I think Chris I'll, Reed's going to be the backup swing guy, yeah. as it's looking right now. I can't wait. I can't wait till the pads are on and we hear smack, smack, smack. It's going to be great. Well, thank everybody for joining us today. We had a great showing. I appreciate you all coming up on your Saturday afternoon, taking time to listen to 
us two old bloggers as we pontificate about your Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we take your comments as well. We appreciate it. It is a beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. A nice warm 106. I know up there in Yellowknife, Darren, you are at a beautiful, wonderful 68 degrees Fahrenheit. I did the Celsius conversions earlier. Yes, you did. Um, But it is a beautiful day on your Saturday. I hope everybody has a great weekend. And if you haven't already, go see Top Gun Maverick. It is an absolutely awesome movie, especially (laughs) if you're in aircraft porn. (laughs) Right, Ted? Uh, Aircraft porn. Oh, and the the airborne scenes, aircraft scenes, oh, they're fabulous. They're going to win an Oscar, without a doubt. It's just top of this world. I want to say skull to everybody. Purple Pocket saying it right here. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And what do we say, Darren? We say like Purple Purple Pocket Podcast says, Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.